Welcome to Model Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is being recorded live on Skype December 10th, 2022. Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model rail riding. Well, we're doing the new time and we have on the one and only John Samatsky. John, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing quite well. Just got away from a, just got away, just finished an operating session at a Wonderful. friend's house. Wonderful. And, uh, we uh, were really pretty active in the area. I had two sessions last weekend. Because My goodness. I, <clears throat> I can only uh, accommodate six or seven people, and there's more than that who want to come. And so, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, uh, by the time some people who were ill uh, had to back out, we ended up having uh, just three at one session. Wow. And they all enjoyed it. because. Very good. Yeah, having fewer people and just having the room and being able to do what you want and all that sort of thing is uh, is just fine too. So Terrific. anyway, yes. So the layout you operated on today, let's start with that. What's mm-hmm. what's the prototype? Is it Proto Freelance? What, what are they doing with this layout? It is a, a very good uh, rendition of the Raton Pass here in New Mexico and in, into Colorado. Interesting. Yes. It, it appeared in Model Railroader some time ago. Uh, it turns out that the fellow uh, who, who has become a very good friend employed Bob Hayden and Dave Frary wow. to help him build it. And uh, Bob is still an active member of our group, and so I see cool. him once or twice a week. Like I said, it appeared in Model Railroader. It's a, a very nicely done uh, railroad. It uh, has a professional artist to paint the backdrops oh, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah and we had – Probably 11 or 12 guys. I think that the max is maybe 13 or 14. Good. I dispatched. Um, Wonderful. And, uh, you know, problems crop up here and there. Mm. Uh, and so we actually cut it off a little bit early today just because we were having a little problem in one of the staging areas. Uh, and uh, otherwise, I think everybody just had a great time, had a new operator who happened to be a professional railroader. Wow. The best kind. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's kind of fun because, you know, then they call out things in a way that uh, I'm not really super – familiar with but try to emulate certainly um yeah so it's it's a very well done thing and uh you know bob built several uh uh, structures to the prototype for it and so there's several very intricate uh, Mm. uh, uh, prototypical structures like a a coal wharf and a couple of the um the passenger stations and things like that wonderful Uh, yeah, the main the, the the end terminals are Raton and Trinidad, and then in between is the uh, double track mainline over the pass. And, Wonderful. And he's also got super high quality rolling stock, and so uh, yeah, it's a very fun layout to operate. So, in terms of industries on either side, is is there the does the Colorado River go through that area? What what kind of industries are there? No, the Colorado River is up in the uh, western part of Colorado okay. and heads into Utah. Um, uh, the it, it's mining, and if you go north of Trinidad, you hit Pueblo, which has a uh, decent sized steel mill. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but as, as it turns out, uh, so, so there's a little bit of history to this because the original layout was really meant to be um, for display and to run trains around very very high quality trains around the the, the pass, mm-hmm. and then as uh, as uh, Dick Rotto, who owns the layout, uh, learned more about operations, he added in more interesting. things to do. Very yeah. interesting. Yes. So most of the switching is in the yards, uh, both for trains that are coming through and are having things added and subtracted. Mm. And then there's also industries in the yards. And then there's a couple things to do on the pass. There's a place called Wooten Ranch, which uh, – uh, 
basically gets uh, stock cars and maybe a boxcar switched. And cool. yeah, there's just a couple things on the pass. There are helper operations, and uh, so we have to take helpers off and all that. So based on the numbers, this sounds like quite a substantial layout. How big is it? I would guess that it is probably thirty by forty or thirty okay. by thirty, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. The other one that we run on regularly, which we'll do next week, it's normally every two weeks, but the holidays, is a Pennsylvania Railroad Shamokin branch. Mm. That's Chuck Cover, and he's got more room. He's more like 23 by 50. Interesting. And, yeah, and, and uh, the interesting thing being a, often a dispatcher on both railroads is the, the difference in the type of operation that they emphasize. Uh, on the Santa Fe Raton Pass, it's double track, and you basically mm-hmm. let trains go up and around oh, and yeah. worry what's going in and out of staging. But on the single track uh, Shamokin branch, it's very interesting to try and keep ahead of the traffic and mm. uh, and have things meet in the right places and things like that. And interesting. So, yeah. It, it's actually a real study in how people build railroads different ways and how the character really does come through. Certainly. Right. Yeah. So today you mentioned there were 13 or so people operating on the one layout. The other layout is the single track one. Um, yes. How many people can operate on that one? It's comparable number. Because Interesting. It's actually got more room and uh, it's got a uh, double, well, it's, a, it's got a main line that's double track in a couple places oh, okay. uh, going along the Susquehanna River. But the, mm. most of the action is up on the branch. And the Shemokin branch is famous for having had ore trains on it. Mm. And uh, Pennsylvania Railroad, one of the last places where uh, where steam was present. Wonderful. And then it's got uh, part of the Lehigh Valley, and it's got uh, several towns to switch in. So it has a lot of switching. Very prototypical. Uh, Very cool. Several, several things built specifically to uh, model the prototype, you know, mm. things like uh, coal, coal, uh, well, just loading. Mm-hmm. It's not a full wharf, but, uh, and then ash removal things and stuff like that. And so mm. he's done a wonderful job at, uh, at, both of them have done a wonderful job at prototypical modeling. Wonderful. Wonderful. It sounds like for different kinds of operators, different kinds of interests, a, a lot of shared operators, I'm assuming, between the two. Absolutely. It's almost the exact, it's the same group of people who shows up any given time. So, and, and then the same group of people come to my layout every once in a while. So. Terrific. Terrific. And for folks listening in to remind those that don't remember, what's your layout? It is the Pennsylvania Railroad in Western Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. mostly cool. going along the Allegheny River between Wonderful. Oil City and Pittsburgh. Wonderful. Um, and then the, the focal point is the uh, junction between the at the Pennsylvania Railroad actually had two double track main lines on either side of the river, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then another one coming in from the east that was a bypass to uh, the four track main line that went into Pittsburgh proper. And then this thing was a bit of a bypass around Pittsburgh. Interesting. Um, and so uh, that's the main. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of uh, of traffic that is coming into the junction from the east, but a lot that's going north and south. So Certainly. that's not quite trip prototypical but it still fits very well and yeah. well just the volumes going into pittsburgh you've got a i mean that's got to be fascinating modeling around that area anyway um, it is and it and it's uh it's transition era so i have some nice wonderful stuff wonderful and, yes no i enjoy that very much so, so it sounds these three layouts you're spoiled for choice between them so obviously interesting days it it, it it continues because then Bob Hayden has his layout that's coming up, and that's a um, Boston and Maine 
um, mm. uh, going through the coast of uh, Rock up to Rockland. Well, Wonderful. between Brunswick and Rockland. Maine. Wonderful. Did Bob Hayden live in Sorry, that area? So it's Bob Hayden's life. He lived in Maine. He went to college. That's what yeah, I he thought. Went college up there. Interesting. And so, then he's got his two foot narrow gauge that's going to sit behind and above it oh and goodness. interchange with the uh, uh, at, at a specific town. And so uh, it's a beautiful layout, as you can imagine. So I can imagine. I mean, you know, model railroading royalty there. What kind of stuff do you learn from Bob Hayden as he operates? I mean, so we're we're pretty good friends, and uh, he comes over here sometimes just to see stuff and you know play with some things and make some suggestions mm. and i uh every tuesday he has a um he still calls it a tune-up session or something like that but he'll have six or eight people there and we run the whole railroad he actually took several hours and showed me how to do hand laid turnouts wonderful he had a friend of mine who's going to hand lay an 130 layout mm. near where i live um he uh i mean it's uh almost it's almost too much to enumerate basically he's always got ideas and things to uh, I can imagine. pass on yeah um what's another good example um he shows us his hand-built car in fact what, what's going on sometimes when i get there on tuesday is that he may have uh, another friend who's there who's brought up a car that may have some problems and so he's helping him get through you know how to construct that car that kit mm. modify it um, so yes, he, uh, he, he, he's got a lot of ideas on scenery and how imagine. to operate things. Yeah. Wonderful. So, uh, I'm constantly, I guess, getting advice. Um, you asked specifics, but like I say, it sort of runs the gamut. I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, obviously we've had the pleasure of having a Dave Ferry periodically, um, mm -hmm. a few years ago, but yeah, Bob Hayden, obviously a lot of model railroading history just in one I, do I recall correctly? Was it he or Dave Ferry who were in the Navy, or were they both in the Navy? I can't recall. Bob was in the Navy and That's the submarine service. Interesting, yes. fascinating yes. stuff. Fascinating. No, stuff. indeed, indeed. And then, uh, and then we talk. He and I talk a lot about the sociology that you and I have talked about mm. before, about how people interact, uh, how much fun it is to interact with people at these Certainly. sessions. And then he talks a lot about how can we make our sessions easier for those that are getting older and may not have the they're not as sharp at you know sort of seeing three steps ahead and so mm. you need to help them to you know do the job that you want them to do um and um you know he's really dedicated to that and it's uh, really nice because uh one of the reasons we ended the session today early was because we were having trouble in a staging yard person mm -hmm. was trying to keep up and having a little trouble and it's like so, yeah. to my mind I don't care if that wasn't working as well as possible. I want to have that person included in the session. I want to help him to have fun. And uh, uh, so Bob and I talk about those things actually pretty often, how we can help accommodate mm. uh, as many people as possible. And is uh, the aim to so, be, I mean, being prescriptive is not always the best possible way. So what, what, what's Bob's insight with regards to this? Not to be as prescriptive, to just be more allowing of people to take their time or what's what's the bob hayden prescription here so i think that and and this comes from me as much as bob um i think letting them take their time is extremely important mm. one can easily get too eager as a dispatcher because you know that things are backing up in certain places Certainly. and i probably contributed to the backup today mm -hmm. um 
And so uh, he and I talked after the session. Yeah, we probably just need to give him, Bob and I, that is, that we probably need to really give sort of one instruction at a time mm-hmm. and not, not give a look ahead. Um, yeah, uh, you know, again, it's easy to be too pushy as a dispatcher to say, well, we got to get this going. We got to get yeah. that going. Oh, yeah. And I think both of us uh, learn from each other because he dispatches pretty often how not to do that and mm. how, uh, and especially, well, the other thing is to talk to the opera, excuse me, the owners Certainly. and suggest the removal of certain trains in order to make things a little slower again. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've talked, you and I have talked about how I actually find it uh, just as fun to just hang out with my friends as Certainly. it is running a train. Certainly. And so slowing things down is not a bad thing to do in general. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's sort of where we're at on that. Very cool. Very cool. And the idea of removing trains to slow things down, and I guess, yes, I the, the layouts that I've operated on or seen in operations, I can see particularly because you're dealing with the, the kind of post-retirement age, let's say um, that, that um, it is interesting, the, the fun aspects of the hobby are as just as much social and gregarious as they are actually getting down to representing simulating for want of a better term model rail or, or the real railroad with your layout so yes. it's fascinating stuff fascinating stuff it's interesting you mentioned the sociology of this whole thing my father is quite elderly and he's a professional sociologist um by uh, for many years and i've pointed out to him that these you know having a hobby and having a hobby like model railroading, a hobby that has a certain degree of depth that you can really sink your toes into and there's plenty of stuff that you can learn, is absolutely critical at the retirement age. I don't think, know if my father will ever retire, but he's very mindful that I have a lot of insight from doing model rail radio <laughs> to just the topic that you raise here. So it's interesting that you bring it up. I was just going to say, and, and as you know, the depth that you can go into and things can get very technical and very deep both on if the you choose to do that though if, if you, you choose, choose to, to do, do that so exactly that is the point yes. you get to choose and you get to and it offers the depth that allows you to um to do what what uh, what you enjoy certainly certainly so in terms of this interview period obviously it sounds like operating sessions are plenty by the sounds of things are you doing anything with your layout to, for the end of your period to tighten anything or what are you doing I, so it's amazing the things that you find when you do an operating session that mm-hmm. you think that you would find, <laughs> you know, just by running things around. And it just keeps telling me that I have to continue, you know, the combinatorics are too large mm. to actually do every turnout and every car and every engine and all that sort of stuff. But that does not mean that you cannot uh, continue to test and find sometimes some pretty fundamental problems. Certainly. Uh, so I'm still working out some electrical issues here and there. They tend to just be things that crop up, not things that have been there long term. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm actually getting ready to upgrade my signal system. Wow! I want to head towards having a um, a dispatcher, and I want that mm-hmm. person to have a few more things to do than my uh, middle sized layout allows me to do. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and so uh, that's coming along. Uh, mostly in thought right now. Mm. Um, I, I owe a, a number of things on the steam proto throttle to have done, which is coming along pretty well. Wonderful. And yeah, that's uh, Neil. Neil's on, and I think he knows as much as I do on the uh, very good. What's going on on that? And and so my my electronics is 
pretty much split between what I do on the steam thro- proto throttle and then what I do with my signal system and other ons and ends on the layout. So let's talk signals briefly. I've talked yes. to a few people on the recording historically about how they've adapted signaling, how they've gone with various different forms of signal. What kind of signals are you going to be using? And do you have a, a few of them already that you're starting to test out? Yes, I have a double track section of the layout that, um, I use signals on to route things uh, between those two. And then I have a single track section that is very busy. Interesting. And it's very easy to dispatch things from one yard or the other and have those uh, interfere with each other. And so uh, that was actually the original motivation for the signal system. Uh, they're Penzi uh, position light signals. That, Interesting. Yeah, you can buy the signal heads, but... Um, you can buy whole signals uh, sometimes, depending if they're in stock. But the way I was doing it with signal bridges, I needed to buy the signal heads separately and then fill them with LEDs, mm. which turned out to be a very good COVID time mm. yes. <laughs> thing to do, <laughs> putting individual little uh, surface mount uh, LEDs. Um, and so I have uh, a few signal uh, double-track signal bridges with signals on either side. Wonderful. Uh, for that purpose, I'll be adding a couple of more, and I'll probably add a couple of turnouts, more turnouts that are under uh, centralized traffic control. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess what I've done is enough research now on CTC to recognize that um, the real railroads had all of the capabilities available in a CTC machine Certainly. that I, I want to have. <laughs> and I didn't realize that at first. Uh, for instance, the ability to grant local control over a uh, turnout, mm. uh, the difference between setting a route versus uh, throwing a turnout are different things on CTC and Certainly. those things built into the standard. And so uh, after going through that at the uh, uh, the next level of depth, after I had the initial installation, I now know that everything that I want to do is available and prototypical and uh, something that uh, I will do, actually. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Signaling strikes me as just being a next level thing. And in terms of how you're controlling them, are you moving to you know any of the s- standards that we've discussed here previously? What are you actually using? I, I decided I wanted to for because there's some toys that I wanted to build for my grandchildren mm. that I wanted to learn how to do Arduinos Wonderful. and the ESP chips. And so a long time ago, I decided that I was going to program it myself mm. um, because uh, even though the logic can get fairly involved, once you really sort of dig in and ask yourself, you know, what do I have to take into account? Certainly. It was something I wanted to do. Um, and uh, I didn't want to have to install all the things that you need to to detect trains and different blocks and things like that and use JMRI. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that by hand. Interesting. Um, but, you know, that's an interest of mine and something that I enjoy doing. So Certainly. And you don't have any... You don't have any thought that you might go to JMRI at some stage, or are you just enjoying the nature of what you're doing currently? I use JMRI for programming and for letting my brother and others operate remotely. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I use JMRI. JMRI is a uh, an integral part of the Steam Proto Throttle. So I've learned uh, the JMRI commands that you send via Wi-Fi Very cool. to the uh, server and how to handle all that stuff. And so um, I'm, I, I think JMRI is great. It just happens that uh, uh, it doesn't fit 
for my my operating scheme other than the things like I say remote operation choosing which are a, wonderful yeah choosing jmri for what you need it for i think is the real and, and not using it for stuff that you don't need it for i think is the real secret to uh, to enjoying coexisting let's just say with jmri yes. so no, that's a wonderful thing it really is and and i appreciate all the work that people have put into it um and uh, who knows I may be using more capabilities uh, from it before I know it. So. Mm, interesting, interesting. <laughs> so in terms of the end of year period, are you planning one more operating system on your layout or are you planning a few before the end of the year? So because we've got these other sessions going on regularly, I mm-hmm. try and fit within in between those. And so I'm probably going to do something early in the new year Very cool. at this point. Very cool. Yeah. Yep. Well, John, thank you for calling in. Pleasure chatting Certainly. as always. Always insight and the, the nature of, you know, Bob Hayden being a local and your ability to uh, to have just good conversations with him sounds absolutely wonderful. So thank you for it calling really in and, and talking about that today. Pleasure chatting as always. Thank you. Take care. Mike Slater, the hot tub layout, a favorite topic of discussion. Um, what has been going on with that recently? What have you been working on? What's your model railroading update? Well, it uh, for the longest time I kind of got into the 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 rut of uh, uh, not really doing anything with it for a while. Interesting. My biggest hiccup, which it still is a, a big hiccup, is the ballast that I like using, which is was done by a small little company in uh, near the Ohio. Uh, Pennsylvania state line, mm-hmm. uh, which was Smith and Sons Ballast, uh, they seem to have gone uh, to the wayside. Oh, no. So it's uh, finding a new manufacturer of actual crushed stone ballast that uh, I like the results of, you know, after it's glued down. I looked at one product uh, line from one outfit at TrainFest uh, a few weeks back, and it was a good thing they had samples of it glued down because you look at it in the bag and it's a nice light gray and then after it's glued down it uh is a very dark gray so Mm. it uh uh, so whatever type of stone that they were using uh darkened uh when it when got wet and and, um the smith and sons ballast was also sold uh, under the scenic express name yes um and of course they're they're, I guess, the way things look, they're trying to find a new supplier also for their ballast that does, you know, basically the same type of results at Smith & Sons. Mm. So, it, um, the, you know, all the feeders are dropped, all the electrical is, you know, to a point where I could start ballasting the track, but... Uh, you just can't get the ballast you want. Correct. <laughs> mm. So... So for a while, the layout became a flat space and stuff, stuff compiled. Uh-oh. And I haven't been able to run a train probably in about three months. Oh, no. Um, so, it, uh, But uh, within the past week or so, I've started clearing off one little area and trying to figure out how to lay out structures and scenery cool. and trying to get the mojo back into... Uh, the uh, the layout and that very cool very cool and you mentioned the the t word you were able to attend train fest what was it like being there as a punter 
Well, uh, it was good not being behind the operations of the show. Uh, our uh, trolley layout kind of got a uh, uh, last-minute invite by a, a group that already had a display space. Interesting. Um, so so they, to fill uh, some space, basically. Interesting. It, yeah, they, uh, it was the uh, Milwaukee Transit uh, uh, Museum, and they typically have a small little trolley layout an HO scale within their display area. Mm. Uh, however, that, that particular layout was down. So uh, they contacted our group to see if we could have a small little layout uh, to kind of fill the space that their layout would have filled. Very so, cool. so I was there both uh, all day uh, Saturday and all day Sunday. Very nice. Uh, crowd, crowds were excellent. Very good. Uh, the show wasn't as large as far as square footage as it historically had been, uh, but it was also quality, not quantity. Yeah, it was uh, underneath new operation of cool. new operators, Combach uh, cool. Publishing. Oh, interesting! Uh, interesting has, that has, they stepped in. Interesting has leased has leased the naming rights uh, from the Wise Division of the NMRA, and then they they subcontracted uh, the Great American Train Show people. Ah, uh, yes. To to operate the the actual show for them interesting so it's a it's a hybridized train fest basically correct correct interesting interesting well that's a good way for something like train fest to go really because i'm sure i mean certainly as you've described historically and we've had callers that are have confirmed that as well train fest was a critical part of your area um and it's good that it's been picked up by people that have historically done this stuff commercially and know how to get stuff done interesting So in terms of the hot tub layout, you've, you've mentioned that you've started to clean stuff off. You're looking at structures. What kind of things are you looking at in the in the next few months? Well, it's just uh, trying how to figure out how to do things. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, How to make the, the road that goes into the backdrop, how to make that actually look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I'll have to learn and do because I've never really dealt with a layout that went into a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've Historically, I've always done the uh, well. The lino layout really never had any scenery or any backdrops to the layout that's in the other room, mm. and the the Fremo modules, of course, never had any backdrops on them. On Certainly. Side. So it, it's that whole entire thing of uh, trying to look at videos and and uh, probably going to have to try to as I'm going around train watching, trying to. Maybe find a, find a photos. And, interesting. And uh, if it's not a busy road, stand in the middle of the road and take a photograph looking down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, or try to use, as some people have used, uh, Google Street View. Mm, interesting, interesting. So the, the tunnel into the wall, so to speak, you just need to basically make it uh, look as, as prototypical as possible. You, are you freelancing this or is it a, ideally a, a prototype? I seem to recall it, you mentioning a well, prototype. The prototype aspect would be it's uh, primarily a Midwestern-themed layout where mm. I'm either going to be running uh, Milwaukee Road equipment or uh, Wisconsin Central mm-hmm. uh, equipment on the layout, depending on what uh, suits my fancy. But I, I wanted to have that Midwestern, you know, southeastern Wisconsin-type look to the layout. Um, and it's a smaller size town or village that the train would be going through. So not trying to make it look like a big, big downtown city type thing. Um, you know, trying to get the right 
the right look in that for, mm. for the environment. So you're not doing into the wall like a tunnel with a mountain backdrop. You're just making a visual kind of to infinity. Uh, Correct. Interesting. Correct. Interesting. Interesting stuff. So in terms of uh, showing the traction layout, uh, any updates, any thoughts around that, or was it just pretty well a standard uh, uh, standard show for you? Or did you get any feedback through the show that you think you'll make modifications going into the future? Well, uh, one of the, the positive things uh, with having the layout at, at Train Fest is uh, at the end of uh, this month, uh, we'll be taking the modules that we had at Train Fest uh, to a publishing company located in Waukesha, Wisconsin, for them to photograph the wonderful, modules. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so that's uh, uh, that's going to be a, a good thing. Um, and then we've also have gotten our layout into the Madison, Wisconsin uh, show. Gosh. And uh, then, of course, uh, this coming may we'll be going taking the layout back out to pennsylvania mm. again to the east penn uh national trolley meet wow interesting so gosh busy times ahead um yes. <laughs> in terms of between shows what kind of dusting off do you do what kind of maintenance do you do between shows well every all my traction equipment is basically right now all stored in in boxes so they really don't get dusty mm. the only thing that i've been doing on uh, some of my equipment is actually adding uh, DCC and sound. Interesting. Equipment. Interesting. Uh, which was a little bit of a learning curve uh, with doing, especially with the overhead trolley wire, because, you know, you, you don't have as great of a contact Certainly. as you do with standard um, diesel or steam equipment, even though the steam guys are probably going, you know, we have our own electrical contact problems. I'm sure they do. <laughs> when you have a single contact point hitting a 28-gauge uh, wire, uh, the, you have a little bit more finicky contact. So definitely keep alive in the equipment is a must, mm -hmm. especially if you have sound so your sound doesn't interrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that would be boring. And the overhead trolley wire, but uh, so, I've done... Uh, probably about uh, six pieces of equipment now with DCC and sound. And uh, the first uh, running of that equipment uh, was uh, this past fall at the Antique Farm Tractor show that I was Wonderful. at. When I called in for that mm -hmm. trip. I remember. And uh, uh, everything ran flawlessly and worked great. So, and uh, also with having the addition of the sound, it uh, would probably attract people that normally would kind of look all trolley and kind of walk away but when they hear mm. the, the little air whistle or the little dinging of of a trolley bell or whatever uh it kind of uh makes them take a second look at the layout certainly what percentage of the trolleys are now dcc uh out of the equipment that i own it's probably five ten percent oh interesting just a small uh, amount currently just just just, uh, just yeah um Cost is, is a key factor, of mm. course. Uh, I've, at least in my geographical area, I've found all the the uh, soundtracks, economy sound decoders that mm. can be had mm. for the electric sound files. So that was the more reasonable way of adding sound. Now, of course, adding the Tsunami is another option, but you're now looking at almost $40 more per locomotive Certainly. Uh, to do it. So it... Uh, uh, and the equipment that I put the the sound in would be kind of 
what I would take to the shows and run. So that'd be my, my show equipment, mm. uh, equipment that I would probably run at home. Uh, when I do build the trolley layout, it's probably going to be a toggle switch or a rotary switch to toggle between straight DC mm-hmm. and DCC. Interesting. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee as of right now, of course, you know, we could be talking two or three years down the road and I'll say something completely different, but I don't, mm. I don't see equipping all of my equipment, uh, uh, to DCC and sound. So, okay. So it's always going to be a minor group out of your, uh, stuff. It's going to be DCC, but still an interesting, you know, an interesting process. And as you note, the, the specific sound with regards to traction, um, provides some interest too. Very cool. Very cool. Mike Slater. So, um, are you are you a person of New Year's resolutions? Are you planning on doing anything different in the new year? Anything coming to the lap light? Um, not really that much. I will probably be sending in my NMRA dues after not being an NMRA member for probably about a year. Interesting. So you're going back uh, to the NMRA. What what specific well, reason? I'm, I'm just going to go back back to as a member. I'm not mm-hmm. going to uh, do anything on um, as far as elected positions. Um, there's just things that uh, Gordy has said and has done mm. uh, that I totally agree with, mm. and I feel he needs the uh, the supportive membership uh, numbers to interesting uh, show the positive uh, things that he's been doing. Yeah, it's interesting the pre-Gordy NMRA and the post-Gordy NMRA, and certainly just as a right on, just as a thumbs up, membership makes. Uh, you know, a great degree of sense. It was a very curious organization for many years prior to Cordy, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I do understand where you're coming from with that, Mike Slater. So, okay, and in terms of the new year, you've got a few shows lined up. It sounds like you've got things pretty busy for the new year. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, with uh, And then I think the last show that we're going to be planning on taking a trolley layout back down to is the St. Louis RPM meet. Mm-hmm. We we took down a small layout uh, this last summer, and uh, Andy that uh, went down with me, uh, he, he enjoyed the show, and uh, he basically said we're bringing a layout. Uh, actually, he said we're bringing a bigger layout down uh, next year. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, Mike Slater, thank you very much for calling in. How are you finding this yeah. new time? Is it a reasonable time for you? No, it's it's totally fine. Cool. Well, I think I'll probably continue them until my uh, daughter's change their sleeping schedule. We've got on a few more people. But pleasure catching up with you as always, Mike Slater. Take care. Yeah, take care. I'd like to welcome on Neil Erickson. Neil, um... We were talking with John Zemanski. He mentioned the uh, the throttle. What's what's your participation in the throttle project? <laughs> um, I hate to say, but maybe I was the motivation for some of the guys to get this started. But um, you were the I instigator. Had I know. I've been blogging about it and philosophizing what a steam proto throttle might be mm. like, and so I created a prototype. Um, you know, basically following Jeff Bunz's. Mm. Um, model of you know using the arduino based Certainly. actually it's an esp32 but it um it's it's much simpler than what john and the other guys have been doing mark stafford in australia mm-hmm. so theirs is much more realistic than my simplistic version it's a lot of fun fooling around with it. i just finished wiring up mine and 
I need to get JMRI moving so that I can mm. try it out. So, but, compared to the Bunzer device, is yours as heavy as yours as... Uh, I mean, I, I've seen two different prototrottles that were built, one by the professor in Australia and one um, through, I think, uh, maybe through video rather than actually seeing it physically. But uh, in terms of your proto, how big is it? Well, it's built inside of um, an electrical outlet box. So if oh, you can visualize okay. that size, yeah. you know. So not that big. It's not, not overwhelming. No, it's not that big. No. It's not like, and, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Doctor Who, but the Davros character in Doctor Who has a kind of table. And I've seen proto-throttles that are almost hanging tables off people. So Right. That would be fun. But, you know, <laughs> I wanted something more mobile. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So how many people are contributing to this? I think there's five or six of the, the main cool. people. Well, John being very uh, instrumental in trying, mm-hmm. you know, testing it out. Uh, Mark Stafford being the guy that's mm-hmm. really pushing it and helping promote the development of it, including financial, financial side Wonderful. of it, right? Interesting. Um, and then there's a couple other people. Greg has been very involved in the in the programming of it. And and I I really haven't done a whole lot. He sent me a board, and I look at those components, and I think there's too many other things to do. Interesting. That's always the that's always the thing that I think is the barrier for entry with regards to this kind of stuff. And certainly, I remember when the professor very proudly showed me the one that he'd built. I think it was just as much the technical wizardry that went into it than actually exactly. having the thing itself. So yeah, no. I mean, I do enjoy that side of it. I enjoy programming the Arduino and other mm-hmm. and other projects. But um, lately, I you know, come to think of it, I haven't talked to you since you moved to Las Vegas. How long has that been? A couple of years? Are you sure? I must have had a conversation with you since then. That seems too long. Has it really I been that know. length of time? I you know, it's pre-COVID, I think. Wow, that I'm sure I've talked to you since then. That's it. I'm going to go back and have a look at that because it seems <laughs> like we've. I'm wondering how I got my fill of Neil Erickson, maybe just through Facebook. That seems very strange. I'm pretty sure we've talked since then. But maybe did not. I share my, my videos that I had done on YouTube on building a model railroad in 10 minutes a day? Uh, I remember seeing some of that stuff. But no, talk more about that. What have you found through this? Well, I, during COVID, I wanted to get some motivation or inspiration and ended up designing a, a layout based on my hometown short line mm. and I did it in S scale. Wonderful. So of course there's not a lot in S scale. So I had to lay it out and, and I wanted it to be very prototypical. Mm-hmm. So I, I a chickens I, fighting in the background. You got some kind of <laughs> well, roosters attacking each other. I have, yeah, I have challenge chicken challenge right now. Yeah. Oh, very comp- good. Com- competing for our attention. Yeah, no, no doubt it'll, uh, in post-production, it'll yeah, exaggerate the sounds of the chicken screaming in the background perfectly. I'm sorry. Not a problem. No, no, it's a perfect kind of very prototypical sound for a, a variety of stuff. So, okay, so building a layout, 10 minutes a day. I mean, this is yeah. really, this has been done by other folks as well, but what was your particular take on it with YouTube? <laughs> There's so much competition in the background, I'm sorry. Don't just, worry. just for a little background for anybody else who doesn't know me, I live on the Big Island of Hawaii in a very mm-hmm. rural area. Yeah, and uh, about as far as John's as, as I can imagine, I think, unless I was in Australia. But yes, um, we are still part of the United States. At any rate, during COVID, I started getting excited about doing a, a modern short line mm. um, based on the layout or the the railroad that ran in my hometown. Still does actually. 
Mm. Maybe I should go throw a rock at those guys. No, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. It's, it's, it'll, I'm sure it will become a loop sound effect for someone at some stage. But um, <laughs> so let's the talk show about, has just gone to the birds. It has. It has. Let's talk a little bit it's about the prototype. The How far did you get? Were you able to complete it? I got the, the track all laid. I, I, I purchased um, an S-scale mm. SW, um, W1500 that I've been Ooh. modifying. And so I went, I repainted it and got uh, mm-hmm. Bill Brillinger to make me some decals. And so it looks an awful lot like the short line in northwest Washington Wonderful. called the Mount Vernon Terminal Railway. Wonderful. Which even today is less than two miles long. So, mm. um, so I mean, it's just it such an amazing 14 scale. Feet. 14 feet. Yeah, okay. S scale. You know, I'm an architect, so S scale really appealed to me. It, it's a real easy scale to kind of visualize. Mm. Mm. And it's bigger than HO. And not, not quite as big as my, Yeah, my O scale layout. Uh, it still progresses, and I've been building structures lately. But you start thinking about prototype size scru- structures in, well, even Estelle, but in Ocha, in O scale, they're very large. They are. They are. And so it's, it takes a lot of space. I'm surrounded by O scale, and I'm, you know, motivated to. I've got some track, and I've got some turnouts, and a variety of things. But yeah, it needs another COVID. I think that's what I need, or some some catastrophe that would keep me in, in the house in order to build it. Really, it requires space more than anything. So in terms yeah. of, uh, they really are competing with us. They really are competing with us. I'm sorry. I don't know don't where worry. they are. Don't I can hear them, but I can't see them. Not a problem. Not a problem. So you got pretty far with regards to the S layout, though. Yeah. No, all the track is down. I got operational. And um, and it, it led me into another um, rabbit hole, which is, besides the damn chickens, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I, I've been doing dead rail for quite some time mm. and I got him. Good shot. eh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so dead rail, uh, has some limitations. And one of those I found is that I wanted to be able to not have to remove the battery mm. every time I was charging. Oh yeah. So I found the, uh, Stanton drives, uh, the, the battery backup system where you can charge from the rails when there's power to the rails. Certainly. So I did a few videos on how I installed those into locomotives. And the neat thing is you don't have to still, you still don't have to worry about powering frogs or Y's or yes. reversing sections. You just, where I have power to the rails, I can recharge the batteries. Most certainly. And the rest of the time you're pretty much running on battery. Yes. And um, I never lose control of my locomotive. Wonderful. Right. Like I keep alive. Mm-hmm. So, because it's all, um, it's all uh, wireless controlled directly Wonderful. to the locomotive. Wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, if you if you want to go down another rabbit hole, that's a fun thing to explore. We had on David Reese last show, right? So he's obviously talking about his Blue Army and uh, the prototype. Well, the the dead rail use of that just makes so much sense. Really, all the all the original givens that caused people headaches in the model railroading hobby are no longer the case. Thanks to uh, it's, Bluetooth it, it and is the still, and stuff. You still have to wire the locomotive, well, but you you're right. The Blue Nami, I just got one, and I'm anxious to try it because mm. you're right. That would um, that would overcome a lot of the problems of controlling the locomotive, but you still need to pull power from the rails, right? I guess so. I mean, even if you're just doing it piecemeal, which is what you're describing, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. But No, you can do Blue Nami off a of battery power, too. Yeah, true, true. Although I would probably do charging through the rails when I have power to the rails. So I would use the blue NAMI with batteries, but still charging through the rails. Mm. So again, I don't like the idea of having to pull the battery. And I know people are going to criticize me for this, for well, charging through the rails, but yeah. it, it works for me. Mm. I've never had a problem. Pretty cool. Very cool. 
the batteries cause problems in them, so I still have a box waiting for me in England that I need to negotiate with Charles about working out what we do with the battery part of it, because obviously you can't ship these batteries too now, thankfully. Which is ironic, isn't it? Because all, all of our cell phones have lithium yes, batteries. And, it is and we, we charge them and use them all the time. Yes. How, how many have problems? Probably very few. Yes, it's the ones so, that have problems that I'll make the news. So let's just move on yeah. from that topic. Interesting, interesting stuff, Neil. So, yeah, I'm sure we've talked. I'm going to have to go back and look. You've really prompted me. What are you doing with your garden layout currently? Um, that's interesting you'd ask because I recently got some stuff out to take uh, into my office for a Christmas display. And I thought mm. it would be fun if I actually went around and around. My garden layout has, has languished for, oh, 12 years now. Gosh. Yeah, it's it's pretty much, uh, yeah, everything's mm. taken over. So I pulled up a lot of the tracks. Someday I'll get back to it. I've, I've been really enjoying working on the ON30 layout in, in my old drafting studio. So Wonderful. It's, um, it's something I find is really wonderful. You guys were mentioning about hiding staging and whatnot in tunnels, right? Going yes. through a tunnel off yes. to the rest of the world. Yes. And <laughs> I must be crazy, but I decided to scenic some of my hidden track. Interesting. Because um, I got a, um, a Panasonic Cube, and I would set it in front of the locomotive Certainly. on a flat car, and then I'd, I'd cool. see it going around the layout and go through the tunnel, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it's dark or there's you know construction stuff. So I started going back and pulling things out. And scenicing these hidden tracks. I don't recommend it after the fact, by the way. Mm. It's a pain in the ass. But yes. it's um. But to me, it it extends the length of your of your run. And, and so I recently purchased something called Choo Choo Vision. Have you heard of this yet? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Well, it's a battery powered system that allows you to wirelessly transmit live mm. from your locomotive, right? Mm. A really small little camera. Mm. And there's some guys in uh, Canada as well as uh, Pennsylvania area that are doing it extensively. And it's not like the one you hear about in uh, in the Bay Area, right, mm. where they have the, these giant cameras Certainly. on their cars. Uh, this is pretty much invisible. You can run it right into the cab of my steam locomotive Wonderful. and you would never know it's there. The drone market has created this thing as well with regards to the tiny cameras. I had a friend probably five, six years ago now that had a, I think it was VHS transmitter on his racing drone. Um, so I think all the camera technology seems to be driven by the drone technology too, in a rather curious way. So it's good to see them being attached to trains as well. Yeah. Thank you guys for doing that. That's <laughs> awesome. As I really like the idea of being able to see my, where my train is when I can't see it physically. Right. Certainly. And it does extend that time when you're running, say in a, a spiral or a helix when you could just be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm. I know it's a crazy idea, the scenic of it. Something simple like the just a backdrop on the inside Certainly. of your uh, your helix might be enough. Mm. Yes, although the helixes are never enough. So let's move on from that. Well, thank you yeah, very I'm, much I'm, for thank you very much for calling in Neil and providing uh, a wide variety of additional um, sound threads. Let's just say. I, it does strike me, yes, I'll need to go back and look when we last talked, but it's a pleasure catching up with you. Sorry it's been so long. Uh, no, and I apologize for all of my animal background here. No, not at all, not at all. Very interesting and no doubt will be used to prototypical means by someone in the future. Well, thank you for calling in, as always, and um, thank you, yeah, Tom. look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. I'd like to welcome back on Nigel Ketchum. Nigel, what's going on with your model railroading hobby? I'm not sure if you saw that post 
a couple of weeks ago now, I think, just been closing in the roller doors of the shed. Mm. So after our last conversation, I think I mentioned I sort of had a bit of an epiphany, if that's the right word, where I was sort of, why, why, am I, why am I not doing anything? Why, why am I procrastinating? And then um, sort of went, ah, oh, it's, it's all this weather that comes in. And mm. so, uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's all done now. It's actually... I try and take photos as I go along. It's it's, um, it's interesting and it also um, scares you in a way as to how long Certainly. it takes to do things. Like yes. I look for, I think it was about four months ago I started that project and went, where's the time go? But anyway, life gets in the way and you're fully aware of that with, oh, believe with me. children. Believe so, me, um, yes. <laughs> We're thankfully so. sleeping quietly while I record my Bumbarari podcast. So in terms, of, uh, in terms of the weather, it seems to me kind of, a later summer this year in Australia. Is that your indication too? Um, it, it seems all about that way, although we've copped a couple of uh, 34, 35s this oh, okay. week. But now we're well, it seems to be rolling in, I guess. So in terms yeah. of now having the, the roller doors where you want them, so to speak, uh, what are the plans with regards to the loud? The Nolix. Ah, yes. I think that's the biggest challenge and getting that to line up with the two upper and lower levels. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the plan. I've printed out the third planet section with the dimensions on it. So I can, um, start cutting it up. I bought a new car about eight months ago. So that before Ooh. that, there was a utility or a pickup as you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So I could manage to go and pick up some big four by eight sheets of ply beforehand. But cool. now that I've gone back to a sedan, it's, uh, that'll harder. be the next challenge. But yes. Anyway, more, fr- more, um, more family friendly, but uh, not very good at carrying stuff like that. So, well, but the, but the benefits of a no leaks is you're dealing typically with let's call them scrappy bits of wood in terms of the size. What what are your plans associated with the no leaks currently? Uh, it's I wouldn't exactly say scrappy bits of wood. I'll be probably using two almost two four by eights for the turn back because mm-hmm. it's a min bit three. Because I've tried to make it continuous, two continuous main lines. It's basically four mm. tracks side by side on the end. So they've got okay. an internal. So maybe not so scrappy. Thirty-two inch. No, not so scrappy. Well, not as far <laughs> as I can tell. But right. If you want to call four by eight scrappy, sure. Interesting. No, I, I guess I'd imagine because of the the turn back nature of the Nolix in general. It, but you're not actually doing turn backs. You're doing it all continuous run. Yeah, but you still got. Go back to get a continuous. I guess you're right. Yes, I guess. I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you're you're making yeah making my point for me. I guess I'm just saying. So, in ter- what percentage of the louds is currently, or what percentage of the Nolix rather is currently in position, or are you literally having to build the entire Nolix in the near future? Ah, uh, yeah, zero percent. Interesting. So interesting. Interesting. Um, so have they have the timber there? I believe so. That's one less challenge is trying to or hurdle mm-hmm. that you kind of or lumber that you don't have. And I need this. I need that. So I probably need some bolts or something. But uh, we'll work on that as we go. So very cool. Very cool. So, yeah, so is it a six month project? Do you think, or what's what's your thinking in terms of well, the time frame? <laughs> the rate I'm going, probably yes. Okay, <laughs> very four months. Four months to close doors in, but I guess there was some kind of engineering thinking in the background and challenge Certainly. for how does this all work and mm. once I sort of got it right in my head and got the materials it was pretty much full steam ahead or between everything else like we say with Free with cool. life yeah so. certainly interesting <clears throat> yeah so okay and how big for folks listening in that may remember at least the Nolix discussion how big is this loud 
Uh, 20 feet by 20 feet. Very cool. Uh, Very cool. It's going to be pretty much uh, no no duck under. I've had that previously. In the now now joining the 50s club, the novelty's worn off that real quick. Mm. The, the, yes. knee, the knees are complaining, so it's sort of like a an open G shape almost. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Know. Yep, certainly. That makes sense. And the Nolix follows the G, I'm assuming. Yeah, and then it actually has its own sort of dual turnbacks on the other sides, if that makes sense. So, yes, certainly. Very cool. Um, hmm, well, I'll be a challenge. I've never done dual levels before, but that being a person who likes to run long trains, that's um, kind of seemed the most obvious way to go. Certainly. It comes with its challenges and everything. Like I remember reading Tony Custer's book and reading a few things in there, and then I was actually sort of putting it to structures and went, Oh, he's right. There is that challenge. So you sort of got to limit your, your sudden height is a problem where you mm. um, you look at a kit and then it'll be, depending on what it is, like an ore refiner or something, it's probably uh, 12 inches high or more. And then you sort of look at the dif- the difference between your two lo- levels and go, whoops, that's a bit, yes. <laughs> that's a bit less yes. than that. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, that's a few different things that come up and keep you on your toes. So, yeah. So in terms of industries, what are you planning? Uh, most definitely the oil refinery, um, just the typical sort of ones, grain, mm-hmm. what, what you see mostly, um, coal, Very cool. background and that's where I work. <laughs> Very cool. A, a dirty word, but uh, you know, it's, uh, assume it still need to make steel. Apparently so. <laughs> uh, no, no one's worked out a better way yet. So, well, one of the, be- the ones with yeah, the electroconductive stuff is very curious, but I don't see them doing it in, at scale anytime soon. So, yeah, interesting times. Very mm. cool. Mm. Well, That's you've right. got your you've got your update for the next six months plan for Model Wire Radio. So, look forward to when you call <laughs> back in. It's giving details, and um, you know, all the best for the true summer as it's coming. Uh, because yes, thank you. I think that's going to be particularly, or it sounds like it might be particularly brutal. Um, so hopefully not bushfires, but hopefully uh, just lots of unnecessary sweating. Yes, yeah, I don't know how the US is going with the winters. I haven't been keeping track. You probably don't. Do you get a winter Las Vegas? Uh, well, you do kind of in terms of the fact that it's actually kind of irritating to go outside. With the daughters, I, I take them on walks over the weekend and get to feel the temperatures as they occur. But um, neither of my daughters particularly like wearing winter clothes. So <laughs> you're literally picking up items of clothing as they kind of throw them off at various points of the walk. But uh, <laughs> it's just the nature of being a parent, I guess. Yes, yes, you, you enjoy being the... Um, the catcher of clothing. Uh, well, and, and the pack horse as well. I, I must admit that Certainly. one of the best, best days in your life for me was when you get rid of the nappy bag and... Mm. Yeah, it's still unfortunately sure underweight for that. Uh, is it called that in the US or is it called something else? Diaper, perhaps, but yeah, basically uh, the same principle. Well, folks, I'm doing a little post-production here. You probably don't need to hear the uh, diaper-nappy discussion for former, current or ongoing parents. You'll know where I'm coming from, but we don't need to editorialise this. So in terms of this period of time, any train shows going on in your area or anything to, to see out the morale rotors? No, there, there was the the local division Christmas party yesterday. But, I um, saw, I was invited to that <coughs> on Facebook of all places. Oh, were you? Yes. I don't know why you didn't fly over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was changing diapers, funnily enough. But anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't do it, yeah. Just um, 
things. So, how many people did you did you make your way to the Christmas thing, or just no, no, I, I genuinely never really do. So, uh, at the moment, I'm trying to um, study my little heart out for a uh, closed book exam for work or for a mm. course for work. So, it's heavy statistical stuff. So, trying to gram as much as that in my head at the moment. I Very don't know good. whether I'm getting. Dumber as I get older, or what? I, I embrace the dumbing. I embrace the dumbing. <laughs> so you with this. No, literally, it's amazing how you completely, like any memory I once had, completely shot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just the nature of parental life, I guess. It's funny because yeah. Yeah, things come up with work, and I'm like, I should have written that down when it first happened, so I can just go back and reference my writing as opposed to my absence of memory. But um, anyway, yes. Then I have, tr- I have trouble where I can't read my writing, but that's okay. So. Yeah, <laughs> diagrams worse comes to worse. Anyway, Nigel, thank you very much for calling in today. A brief update, but fascinating stuff. And looking forward to, I guess, seeing photos of the uh, no licks over the next six months. Yeah, hopefully. That'll be awesome. And, and uh, hopefully we may be a bit longer than we'd actually run something. Just getting Wonderful. Sick of things stuck in a box and looking yes. at it. Yes, so, very cool. Running it backwards and forwards. I mean, I have had it where the, I've been trying to put a decoder in a British locomotive and that's been a total disaster. But anyway, mm. we've fallen back to a default position and got it working, but not what I was planning for and costing. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Well, so, thank you very hmm. much for calling in today. A pleasure catching up as always. I look forward to having no licks updates into the future. Mm. And uh, look after yourself. Merry Christmas. If oh, Merry Christmas and Happy show. New Year to you as well. I yeah. think um, I'm suspecting there might be another show, but uh, again, see previous conversation associated with shop memory for more. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very good. <laughs> Whether I get to it, and just in case I don't get to it, well, there we are. We're all sorted. Thank you. We most definitely are. <laughs> thank you very much for calling in today, Nigel. Take care. Right, thank you. Bye. So another Model Rail Radio, amazing, Bob Hayden, amazing just to hang out with Bob Hayden and get a sense of what his Model Rail Roading pursuits have been about. We're talking history here, folks. So great to uh, catch up with everyone on today's show, and thanks to everyone also for listening in.